Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord. This is a powerful word. This is a cleansing word. This is a word, Lord, which is to live by. And so help us now, Lord, as we focus on your word to absorb, to take in, in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue now to, in our study that we began last week on the blood, the title again being the blood of the covenant, and it comes from Exodus chapter 24, verse six, and if you like to turn to that, that's great. Exodus 24, six, if you don't want to, that's fine too, just listen. But Exodus 24, 6 is our text here, and it happened at a very, very particular time where we read Exodus 24, 6. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord had said will we do and be obedient And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So this is where we are. In our last study, we just imagined ourselves that we were there. We were part of the Jewish people. We were standing there beneath the base of of Mount Sinai. We're trembling because of all the power of God that we saw on that mountain and 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 then when when Moses reads all these things, then we shout out our voice too. We we just say, "All that the Lord has said, will we do? We'll be obedient." We were there, and we meant it. We meant it at that time. Although, in less than two months later, Israel would be in the same place worshiping the golden calf. But that was for a different day. But they made this commitment to obey God. And we saw then Moses, he, after that, he takes the, the blood of the sacrifices, he sprinkles the altar, and then he sprinkles us and he's with his blood. And he says, behold the blood of the covenant. And it's those three words, behold the blood, which has stopped us now to consider what is the blood. What is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? We sing all these songs, there's power in the blood, what can wash away my sins but the blood? But now we're just standing there and Moses has just said, behold the blood, and we started off on this journey to see what does the blood mean to us personally? What does it mean to us personally? We're looking at this from a personal point of view. And we began by looking in the prophecy that God gave for first of, of the, the violence in, in Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, where it spoke about, God spoke about the deliverer, the deliverer, who the same Hebrew word is used, shuf, the same word is used when he says that he shall, the deliverer, he says, he shall crush thy head, shuf, but thou shalt crush his heel, 
And, and we saw that from that prophecy that the Lord Jesus Christ does the deliverer, he emerges from that scene with a bloody heel. And, and, all we, and, we, and then we imagine that when he's there and he's being nailed to the cross and the soldiers are taking now the nail and they're driving it through his heel, a very sensitive part of the body, and protected by the heel pad, but this, this, this nail is going right through his heel. And when that happens, we can imagine the Savior say, saying and thinking to himself, well, just as Adam and Eve were told, here I am now, crushing the head of the serpent, I am the deliverer with the bloody heel. And here the Lord Jesus is thinking that. And then it was right there after the fall of man that man became enslaved, enslaved to Satan by his own sin, we mentioned this before, but it's so important to point out that when God was going with, through the interrogation, what did you do, Eve? What did you do, Adam? What did you do, Satan? It became very clear to God that Satan had taken advantage of the weakness of man. Man was not God. Man was weak. And, and Satan took advantage of the weakness of man. Satan was stronger, and he took advantage of the weakness of, of man. And so then God stand, stood back and said, oh, is that it? Is that what you've done, Satan? You have taken advantage of man. You have defeated man. You have triumphed over man. Well, I'll tell you what. You will be defeated by a man. And that's when the Lord Jesus Christ, he became a man he took off his robe of glory and he became in a man like as we are with the weaknesses, not of sin, but with all the weaknesses that we have, he became a man. He defeated Satan as a man going from that prophecy. Then, so that we saw there that our, the foundation of our deliverance over the devil's power is this blood, this blood of the deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, from, from, from the fall of man, our, our lives just became filled with death and sadness and, and, and filthiness inside and weakness, alienation from God, and, 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 and a war, a war was started between us and God. And based on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, this opened up a great door of substitution for us so that we could substitute all that we have or don't have for all that he has and then, and then, and then we saw how our sins had to be covered. They had to be covered up because the sight was so terrible of our sins. It reminds me of a, uh, uh, down in Takati. You know, our company at Takati is located right off the federal highway number two there that goes, uh, goes there to Tijuana. And, 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 and there's no stoplights there. Well, but anyway. And, and people try to run across the street and it's, it's very dangerous to do this, and twice I've seen a dead woman on the street there, and the police have a very strange practice down there where they, 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 they're there, but they don't cover the body. And, 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 and actually the body is laying there face up because they want everybody who drives by to look at that body. It's very disturbing. And, 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 and all, and all you, you think of when you're there is you think of, please cover the body. Please cover the face of the dead lady. The body needs to be covered. And that's all you think about. Cover, cover, cover. And our sins need to be covered. They need to be covered. And that's what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. It's the effective covering. And that's the meaning of the word atonement. Atonement is kafar. It means covering. 
It's a covering for our sins. And you and I so desperately needed to have the covering, the atonement, the covering for our sins. And that's what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. When you and I sinned, we also became enslaved, enslaved and, and, and by the devil. And it took money. It took money to buy us out of slavery. It took the, 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 the purchase money, the ransom money. And that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, that was the ransom money that bought us. And then when you and I sinned against God, the problem is that we distanced ourselves from God. Like it says in Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah 59.2 says, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And we saw that it was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that fixed that problem. In Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13, where it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made near, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ brought us near to God. And, 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 and then we saw that there was this great external crisis of, uh, uh, of sin that was caused as the forgiveness, the covering that needed, but also there was an internal crisis. It's a crisis of defilement, moral filthiness. And we had no options to clean ourselves. We, were, we couldn't. But, except for the blood, it says in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And Revelation 1, 5, it says, Jesus Christ, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that's what we found, this wonderful cleansing from the blood. You know, sometimes our computers get so bogged down with what's running in the background, you don't even know what's running in the background, but something's gotta be running in the background because it's all bogged down. And it needs to be rebooted. In fact, my son Joseph, he says well, he, he has so many things running in the background of his computer, he has to reconfigure. Re, I don't know what he does. But anything, and, he, and, he, and all the little viruses that affect us, that's a picture of sin. That's a picture of sin to us. It contaminates us. It bogs us down. And we need, to, we need a, a purging, a purging. And that's what the blood does in Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, urged us. Now, this is a wonderful aspect that we have of the blood. We've talked about it already, about the fact that we had a non-payment for our sins, and the blood was the payment for our sins. And that's what, that's what was used. And what it says in Colossians 2.14 is very interesting about it, because it says that what happened in Colossians 2.14 is that God blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, you know, when it talks about this, this handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that's kind of like each of us had a, a book, a horrible book. You can call the book My Debts that God kept. And every law that we broke, every ordinance that we broke, every sin that we committed just was put down there as another debt, another entry in the horrible, this horrible book, all the entry of all the sins. And so what happened is that God first, with the blood, blots out every entry in that book. And then when all the entries are removed, then God says, well, this, this book is now blank. We don't need it anymore, so let's remove it out of the way. Out of the way, it stood between us and God. And then furthermore, he says, I'll tell you what, let's go one step further. We'll nail it to the cross. 
We'll nail it to the cross. You know, just the same way that, that when you get your old passport returned to you, it's got holes in it, means it's not valid. That's what he did. So he removes this with a great, this is a mighty thing that God does. It's just because, because our sins, what it says in Jeremiah 17.1, our sins were very permanently written. Jeremiah 17.1 says the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It's graven upon the table of their heart, upon the horns of their altar. See, that's a pretty substantial pen, a pen of iron with a point of a, of, of a diamond. That's how our sins were written. And, and just by turning over a new leaf in life, that's just not gonna remove. It's not gonna remove the memory, the filth, the guilt of our sins, of our conscience. But the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it can do that. That's how powerful it is. Now, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were at war with God. We may not have felt we were at war with God, but we were at war with the Lord Jesus Christ. We were passively or actively at war with the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were at war. And we needed a peace treaty. We needed a peace treaty with God to stop the war. And there's gotta be a basis. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Colossians 1.20, Colossians 1.20 explains to us how this war stopped when it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile, bring together all things unto himself. I say, but whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's a very interesting phrase, peace through the blood, peace through the blood. You know, if a person tries to make peace with God without the blood, he's got no basis for it. There's no basis for having this peace. And God wants to make peace with man. That's the point. God wants to make peace with man. When it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it's God the Father so loved the world that he gave his son to shed his blood as a basis for so we can have this peace with God, peace through his blood, Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20 is all about reconciliation. It's all about reconciling all to himself, all that are in earth and all that are in heaven. So the verse speaks about reconciliation with God for those on earth and for those in heaven. When it says reconciliation in in heaven, probably it's referring to those who died more than 2,000 years ago, so-called Old Testament saints. And those in the Old Testament times, they're just like us. We look back on the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, that's the sacrifice for my sins. Whereas they in the Old Testament look forward to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and said, that's the sacrifice for my sins. Well, we know those Old Testament saints were in heaven because they were with Abraham, as it says in Luke 16, 20. Luke 16, 20, it talks about the certain uh, beggar named Lazarus. And it, and it says, he, 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 it came to pass when the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So there he is. There he is waiting for this reconciliation that takes place by the blood, by the blood. But there's a limit when it says all things in heaven and all things in earth, because the limit is it, do, it, it, it doesn't say all things in hell. So there's no reconciliation for those who are in hell. And, 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 that, and, 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 and they are permanently in that state. No possibility of being reconciled to God. That's a motivation for us, a motivation for us to bring the gospel to the lost. That's what that is. It, 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 because it, 
when it says all things, it doesn't mean obviously that everyone is gonna be reconciled to God because everyone's not reconciled to God. And as a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 7.13, Matthew 7.13, enter ye in at the straight gate, the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that which go in thereat because straight, narrow is the gate. And it narrows the way which leadeth to life. And few, see that? Many to destruction, few to life. It's a wide gate, it's a broad way. It's many that are going to destruction. Many have their lives alienated from God and they die as God's enemies. And a broad gate is a scary scene. That's very scary when you look at that. You know, there's another scene that the Lord Jesus described. It's also a reason to fear. It says in Luke 13, 24, Luke 13, 24, he says, strive to, to enter in at the straight gate, the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I mean, just imagine what that's like. Just imagine the many who are really trying to get into heaven. What a terrifying sight to see those calling, scratching on the door of heaven and not being able to be let in. That's a frightening scene, and that's not the only time the Lord Jesus spoke about these horrors of people trying to get into heaven. The Lord Jesus, he even let us hear the words that people are saying as they're trying to get into heaven in Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21, when he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And here's those words. Many will say to me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. That scene, it sends shivers down our spines just to think of how horrible it is for many thinking they're saved, thinking I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm doing the will of God, look at me. People would say, I've preached in Jesus' name. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? I, I've cast out devils in Jesus' name. What's wrong with that? I've done many wonderful works in Jesus' name. What's wrong with that? All the while thinking that I'm doing this, therefore I will be welcome into heaven. I'll be welcome into heaven. And at the end, to hear those terrifying words, I don't know you. Leave me. You're working iniquity. I never knew you. They all, they, they, they knew all the works they did, but they never really knew the Lord Jesus. They never had what we were just thinking about, that this, uh, this grand desire, I, oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face. They never knew that. They never, they, they never were yearning from their heart, abide with me, stay with me, don't go away. They never had that. Because they, because they were full of all kinds of religious works. Religious works. A lot of religious people in hell. That's frightening. That's the scene of an ultimate shock. An ultimate shock. Everyone when they die is gonna wake up. And it doesn't matter if their bodies are cremated in the hottest oven or if their bodies are thrown into 20,000 leagues under the sea. Every person's gonna wake up after death. And what a shocking scene it is to imagine people waking up after death and saying, I woke up, I woke up, my body was cremated. What am I doing waking up? 
I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be annihilated by the cremator. How could I have woken up after death? Why am I, why am, why, why am I conscious? And the Lord Jesus said that, 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 that fearing the person who not only kills the body, but casts the soul into hell. He said in, in Matthew 10, 28, Matthew 10, 28, fear not them which kill the body, but which are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's why the blood of the Lord Jesus is so important because it removes this distance from God, made nigh by the blood, made nigh by the blood, and when a person trusts in the blood of the Lord Jesus as a sacrifice, then he comes into this nearness with God, this, this closeness with God, and the distance is removed. So that leaves the question of, of how does the blood, how, how does this work? How does the blood of the Lord Jesus work? Well, it, it, it's for everyone. The blood is for everyone. It is God's effective plan. It's God's plan. It's God's plan that can result in a peace between Men and God. But the plan with the blood was put in place, but it's only effective when man does something. When man does something. And that's seen for us in Romans 3.25. Romans 3.25 shows us what man has to do. It says, God set him forth, the Lord Jesus, to be the propitiation. It says, through faith in his blood. Through faith, faith in his blood. So, so man puts his faith, man puts his confidence in the blood of the Lord Jesus, faith in his blood. Now, to get the picture of what that really means in Romans 3.25 when it says faith in his blood, just picture, just picture now the firstborn on this day of Passover in, in, in Egypt. I mean, he saw that when God said, to, when God said, go into the house, for the plague when he sent the hail, he saw that those that went into the house and brought their animals also into shelter, when the hail came, they were saved. And he saw that those who didn't go into the house when God said go into the house were killed by the hail. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd, 
at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 